everybody. Pastor John here. Day 27 of 50 days of preparation. Um, excited just as always to be here. It's raining outside. It's not great weather, but man, it's going to be good tonight. We're going to be in the Word. It's always good to be in the Word. Um, I love hearing uh, from the different people that um, are are speaking and 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 just sharing what God is sharing with them. I love that. I love how they're they're declaring stuff. And uh, many people have uh, about two or three just today was telling me that they have been declaring, making those grace confessions that we talked about a couple of days ago. Those confessions of grace. And and so when you and they talked about how it's just you know impacting their life as they start making these declarations and confessions of grace, the, the I am, the I have, the I can, the I wills. And I'll just, it's just really good stuff. And we'll, we'll use more of that when we get back um, in a couple of days, go back to Exodus and start moving through. We'll, we'll go back and watch some of that and, and love seeing everybody on there. Judy Story, see you on there, Rance Tilly, Debbie Etheridge, Tracy Allen, Jim Shadwick, man, some amazing people. I want to thank Jim Shadwick for the with the prayer team. He's been praying over the services. The prayer team still, even though they're not meeting together, they've still been praying over the services that we're doing. I just really appreciate Jim Lewis and Jim Shadwick and all the ones that that are have leadership, Pilar and and everybody who's who's on those teams. Just really thank you for for praying and stuff. And man, aren't you excited about being able to come back and eat some of Debbie and David Etheridge's breakfast again? Man, I can't wait. I don't know, you know, if we're going to start that right off the bat, but we're going to, as fast as we can, get them cooking because that's just good, good stuff. Hey, tonight, um, I want you to turn into uh, 1 John, uh, not the Gospel of John, but 1 John towards the back of the back of the Bible. Now, it's going to take me a while before we get there uh, because I want to review a couple things to make sure you understand this. Uh, what we're going to talk tonight about, and hopefully we can finish tonight, and I don't have to do a part two on this subject because there's so many scriptures and so many things that I want to to share with you. I mean, I was sitting here thinking earlier, you know, I'm such a long-winded preacher, 50 days of teaching is still not enough to, to get the stuff that I want to get out into our hearts and minds and um but we're going to work at it tonight. So First John, we're going to be in First John chapter one here in just a few minutes. And tonight we're going to we're going to review, and then we're going to talk about um, how to how to confess sin. Just real practical because there's so many different teachings on this. Some people, matter of fact, a lot of people that I hear teach grace. I think teach it in error because they talk about we don't have to confess sin. Well, that's not true. And I'm going to show you tonight. Uh, now, but at the same time, in which it might seem crazy, your past, present, and future sins are forgiven in Christ and not imputed, imputed against you because you're no longer under the law, you're under grace. But we still need to confess sin. So I'll explain it here in just a minute. So let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, I just give you thanks and praise. I thank you for just your goodness in our life. I thank you for uh, your grace in our life and how you empower us, you accept us, and you freed us, God. And we thank you that you have delivered us um, not only from the slavery of sin, 
but you've delivered us and transferred us into your kingdom. And we, you've made us sons, you've made us citizens, you've made us saints, and you are using us as ambassadors for Christ. We thank you for your word, and may your word jump off the page tonight into our hearts and in our minds, in Jesus' mighty name. So here's kind of what I just want to remind you about this line. This line, I, I inverted uh, the, the teaching I was doing about spirit, soul, and body because to show it in just a different aspect, like the other side of the coin. So this line represents, represents the divide uh, between the spiritual and the physical, the eternal and the temporal, the invisible and the visible, heaven and heavenly realities, and earth and earthly realities. So this line is the bottom side of the line, which, which is a ceiling. The ceiling to this is what I call the law. And, and then the, the, the top side of this is a floor that gives the reality, because the law is truth and the law is spiritual. So we, you and I were born under the line. We were born in sin. So our spirit was, was down here. We were under the line and had no way of coming above the line. No way. We couldn't work ourselves there. We couldn't pray ourselves there. We couldn't lie ourselves there. We couldn't do anything to get there because we were born in sin. Everyone who was born from the first Adam was born into sin, sold into slavery. But God loves you and he came to save you from that slavery of sin, to redeem you and restore you. And so the son of God became the son of man in order to, uh, and he didn't stop being the son of God. The son of God became the son of man so that sons of men could become the son of God. And then we're redeemed in Christ. So, so what happens is uh, this is Christ, the realities of Christ, the realities of Jesus Christ. And now this is Christ in me. So, and I know I write like a three-year-old. I know, but y'all just pray for me. I don't, I don't know. Just pray for me. So, uh, so the realities of heaven and the spiritual realities are the realities of Christ, the King, the King of the kingdom. And now that you and I are born again, once you, once you surrender your life to Christ and you are born again by the spirit of God, Christ lives in you. And so it's, so your identities change. Your spirit moved above the line. Now, your soul and your body still lives below the line. So there's two different realities that you're, you're wrestling with. And, and your spirit is your identity. That's your nature. Your soul and your body is not your nature. That's just your flesh. And if you want to have a fruitful Christian life, stop feeding your flesh. This speaks to who you were. This is not your identity. This is not, this is not a valid identity. And so you, you need to speak, you know, through the word of God, preach to yourself and stop feeding your flesh and let your spirit fuel your flesh. Don't, don't feed your flesh with sinful things. Think, think about it this way. Um, I don't know if this will make sense, but here, here's how I think about it. Is Remember in the garden, if you go back to the garden back in Genesis before sin happened and, and Adam was there and, and matter of fact, they were called Adam, male and female. Uh, Eve was not named Eve until after the fall. 
And they had this, God said, all these trees, eat from all these trees, but there's one tree in the garden that you don't need to eat from. The day you eat from it, you will surely die. And he gave mankind dominion and authority, not only over the tree that he was not supposed to eat from, also over the serpent that was hanging around that tree, running his mouth, trying to get them to eat from the tree. And so, so, that's, so Adam was righteous, Adam was above the line, but living in the earth. And so he was a spirit man in the earth with authority and dominion and fellowship with God. But he, he forgot who he was. And when he, when he ate from that tree, here comes the line. And sin entered into man and, and Adam died. And the part of Adam that died was not his body. It was not his soul. His spirit died. We talked about all this, but here's what I want you to think about right now. For a believer, for a Christian, we have to get a vision and a passion of what it's like to live in the righteous dominion and authority of, of God that we have right now in Christ. And a, a, a simple way to look at that, it, it might not be exact or perfect, but this illustration helps me, and I hope it helps you, that that since my identity is here, this is who I am. Every attitude and every action comes under the authority of who I am, my identity. So it's kind of like God has given me dominion to rule over my flesh, just like Adam had dominion to rule over the serpent. And Adam should have remembered who he was and told that serpent to get out of here. How many of you wish if you could go back and redo things? And if you were Adam, or if you were there with Adam, you, you would have, you know, been like, listen, don't fall for that. Don't believe that lie. Adam, remember who you are. You're God's man. You're the spirit man. God's given you dominion and authority. Whoop that serpent and tell him to get out of here. Don't let him lie to you and cause you to eat something that that's going to destroy you. Don't feed on sin and feed on death. Feed on God. Adam, feed on God. And you have the authority and dominion to tell that serpent to just go on somewhere. Well, in Christ right now, if you're a believer in Christ, you have authority and dominion over your flesh. Uh, Psalm 119 says, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. The problem is people have taught law in, in so many different ways. And then people have taught grace in, in, in incorrect right ways. So the majority of the body of Christ does not have a vision and a passion to take dominion in their righteous identity to, to whoop the serpent and whoop the flesh and tell them, look, get out of here. Get out of here. We've believed the lie on the legalist, on the legalistic side that, oh, we're just sinners and we can't help it. We're just destined to sin. And we, we, we forget that grace has empowered us to take dominion over the flesh, take dominion over that realm of the knowledge of good and evil that, that, that dwelt in the flesh and that serpent that whispers to us through the appetites of the flesh. And we need to cast them out and just be like, no, no, we're not doing that. And, and then the grace side, people have taught grace incorrectly 
to say, hey, do whatever you want to do. You're saved. You're above the line. You're saved. Do whatever you want to do. And both approaches are extremes that are wrong. So I I want us, as God is preparing us, and we're going to go back to the Exodus story and walk through this, but in order to get everything out of it, we have to understand that God has made us a new man, a new creation in Christ. We are not who we were. We have dominion and authority and supernatural power through righteousness to to deny our flesh, cast off the flesh, make no provision for the flesh. And when the flesh is talking to us and the enemy is talking to us through our flesh, when our old emotions and our old appetites are speaking to us, we need to speak from a place of authority to ourselves and say no. And take dominion and tell that serpent to go. Tell that flesh Grab that flesh and bring it into captivity to the obedience of Christ. One or two things is going to happen. Your flesh will make you captive to sin. The sin that Jesus already freed you from, but because you don't know how to walk in dominion in your righteous authority and dominion in Christ, you will actually live by experience as a prisoner to the sin Jesus freed you from. Or in your dominion and authority, you take you take the 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 mindset, your heart and your mind, which is in your soul, the mindset that was trained by the flesh, the body with all the chemicals in your brain. And and we talked about retraining the brain and the cells and everything in your body. You can retrain them and you by the dominion and authority of Christ. You bring your soul and body captive to the obedience of Christ. I mean, how cool would it have been if Adam took that serpent and made him captive to the obedience of Christ? And then here's the other thing. And man, I'm probably not going to get to what I want to get to. I just feel like declaring this. A lot of Christians, there's a lot of Christians that it just confuses me. I'm just honest. I I just get confused because it's, I'm not saying they don't love Jesus and they're not saved and they're not going to go to heaven. I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is I just wonder if they're really going to be happy in heaven. I just wonder if they're really going to be happy because it seems like everything that brings them joy now is down here below the line. And it's almost like when when, you know, nothing up here really brings them joy. You know, they they like a a worship service, but they don't seek after the presence of the Lord. They don't go to the word of God. They don't go to prayer. They don't feed on the realities above the line. See, when you walk with Christ and you put his word in your heart and you, you have a heart to know him and he's Lord of your life, all of a sudden your appetites for the things below the line begin to fade away and and. and in your appetite for things above the line, you want you're you're wanting to bring more of this into your heart and into your body. But some Christians are like, it's almost like when they get to heaven, they're going to be sad. They're going to be upset. They're going to be bored. They're going to be whatever, because the things that bring them joy, even as a Christian, is all the stuff below the line. Now, they may be happy that they're not way down here in hell. You know, I mean, they'd be glad, you know, I didn't go to hell. But they almost might be be sad because we can experience the joy and the presence of the Lord now. 
Now, not just then, but now, because this is our reality. This is our reality. We can experience that and, and grow in that and, and understand what God has for us. And so, you know what, that's, that's, you know, maybe this is just changing tonight and I'll just have to do a part two and get to the practical thing about, you know, 1 John 1. Because I just sense this right now. I don't know who it is that's watching me. I can't tell who's always watching. But we need a vision and a passion to live in the realities above the line. Because this stuff is not going to satisfy. This stuff is not going to satisfy. We, we, need to, we need to understand that this stuff is all temporary. This stuff is, you know, and, and we have that whisperer, so to speak, and that flesh, the, the flesh, the mindset of the flesh and the, the body of the flesh uh, that has been trained, trained by sin. And we need to take dominion and authority and do what the first Adam should have done in the garden. And that was exercise dominion and authority by declaring the word of God. Adam should have looked at that serpent and said, God has said. See, that's the enemy will come. He'll come whisper in you. Did God really say? Is that really what the Bible means? Is that? And, and it's OK to have questions about the Bible. That's OK. And questions. It's OK. We all have questions. And but it's a whole nother thing. When we start questioning the validity and the dominion of of our king and, and of Christ and start questioning God. And so we need to just we need to stop letting the whisper bring doubt and unbelief and and fear and even ignorance into who we are, because this is who we are now. And and. Adam should have told that serpent, yes, God has said, God said the day we eat from that tree, we surely die. So serpent, he's also said, I have dominion and authority over everything that walks and everything that creeps and everything that, so what? So I'm going to tell you right now, you better go on about your business for I make your life real hard. I have dominion. I have authority. I am righteous. I have the ability to do right. I can exercise my dominion and ability to choose to do right. And I will, devil, flesh, I will choose to exercise that authority that God has given me and release that authority from my spirit, the spirit of, of Christ in me, and let his authority rule and reign in my life. Ephesians 5, we've read it a bunch of times, that we should, that grace, that Righteousness should reign. Grace should reign through our life, through righteousness. We should be ruling and reigning, not being entertained by the things that Jesus died to free us from. We got to get a vision and a passion for a lifestyle of righteousness and a lifestyle of grace, not trying to be perfect like some, some, you know, Traditional righteousness of like where we look down upon other people and we think we're better than other people because we're not. We were we were sold into sin like everybody in the world. But then Jesus Christ came and exercised his dominion and his authority in our life. And I don't want that grace to go in vain. Because when I do leave this body and I do see him. I want it to be, I want it to be like, like, like I just, I've stepped into everything that I wanted. 
I don't I don't want to be that kind of Christian that that I live in a way that everything I wanted was down here. Everything I sought, everything I chased after was down here. all my joy came from down here. All my all my all the things that satisfied me came from down here. See, some Christians, when they go to heaven, if they truly are Christians and they go to heaven, it's almost like they lost their joy because everything that brought them joy was down here. And I want to be the kind of Christian that says, God, I want to know who you are. Like Paul said, I want I want to know Christ. I want to know you and the power of your resurrection, meaning in my life. I want to hide your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Because guys, when God confronts us, when he confronts us about sin, he's doing it in love. He's not trying to punish us. He's pruning us. And pruning is not punishment. He will prune your attitudes. He will prune your actions. So that, see, pruning is not punishment. Pruning is preparation for you to release more fruit and be more fruitful. But we have to have a vision and a passion to release the fruit of the Spirit in our life, to release the fruit of love, joy, peace, to release that peaceable fruit of righteousness that only comes from being corrected. When God, correct, God will confront us and he will correct us because he is exercising dominion and authority in love to pull us out of the sin that we get entertained by. And then we think, well, don't judge me. Don't judge me. I'm just going to heaven. I ain't trying to judge you. I'm trying to help you. I'm not trying to judge your, atti- your attitudes and your appetites. What I'm trying to say is, is Jesus, Jesus came to give you life. He came to give you life and life more abundantly. And I'm telling you, his life is enough. You don't need to go search after other stuff. You don't need to go find joy in other things. Other things can be in your life, but he's got to be first because he is the best. And your life and my life and our lives and our cities and our families and generations will be transformed forever when we accept the pruning that prepares us for more fruit by having a vision and a passion to learn about how to confess sin, which I know I ain't talked about tonight, but I will tomorrow night, to exercise the dominion and authority that we have in Christ. You are not a prisoner. You are not a victim. You're not a victim to your emotions. You're not a victim to your circumstances. You're not a prisoner to anything. You are free. If the son has set you free, you are free indeed. And you are free. So you are not powerless. You're not a victim. You're powerful in Christ. Christ is in you if you have surrendered your life to him, believed in your heart and confessed your sin to him and asked him to be Lord of your life, knowing and believing that God raised him from the dead in your place. Then the resurrected Lord, the spirit of God within you, the spirit of God and the spirit of his grace will will give life to your mortal body. So if we have life, his life coming through our mortal body, what in the world Besides Chick-fil-A, do we need in this world? Nothing. Nothing. And we can enjoy things in second place, third place, and fourth place. He gives us all things to enjoy. But but they're not they're not gods to us. They're not the things that we that, that bring us the most joy. He's gotta be that. He's gotta be that. And I just pray that that 
we will have a, a, a growing and increasing vision and passion to release the righteousness we have received and exercise the dominion and authority of our new identity in Christ and tell addiction and tell compulsions and tell bad habits and tell things that I do just because I've always done them, but I don't anymore. Quit living as a victim. Quit living as an excuse and just stand up and make a decision in the dominion. Remember who he is and remember who you are and remember who he is in you and take take eternal dominion in your temporary situation. And he'll cause you to shine. He'll cause you to glow because Jesus is enough. So I guess tomorrow we'll talk about how to confess Sin in First John chapter 1. I love you. want to pray for you, Father, in Jesus' name. I pray for a fresh release by your spirit for a vision and a passion to release and walk in the dominion and authority of God's grace that empowers us for truth, empowers us for obedience, that the Lord may be glorified and he can use our life as instruments of righteousness to help set other people free. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. See you tomorrow at 7.